to First Peter at some point. But I wanted to finish this chapter. And uh, the Lord, I believe, has used this chapter to give me a vision for the church moving forward to where we need to be uh, as a church. And uh, I believe the Lord will use this um, even on a personal level in my life uh, to challenge me to uh, be more for the Lord and to uh, give more of myself, uh, not just in the form, uh, but in the reality of it in my heart. Um, I believe that's the, that's the real cry of any real Christian. Uh, even David would cry unto the Lord and say, search me, O Lord. Um, because if one thing we do know is, and, and I know we've been given a new heart, but we still have the old man uh, that we drag around that's dead, who's contrary to the other, um, and there's a war there. And that heart that that man had was deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? And, uh, and so uh, just like the psalmist, even in my generation, even us now, uh, we need to cry unto the Lord and ask him to search us and to try our reins and see if there be any wicked way in us. And he'll do that by the word of God. He exposes a lot about us. Uh, the Bible says it's like a mirror. And whoso, whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty... Um, and so we behold um, in our face in a glass. Uh, and so uh, we are all hopefully by the grace of God. Uh, he begun a good work and we're changed into that same image from glory to glory in a progressive way. And um, I appreciate the Bible not uh, coddling me and always just telling me what the truth is, regardless of how it affects me. Uh, the Bible is the truth. Uh, and so you can always turn to the Bible and get some help for your soul. If you really want to know where you stand, uh, you pray and open your Bible and God will show you. And there's, there's things in us oftentimes we don't even see about ourselves uh, until we either get in the word or we face certain situations that bring it out. And uh, I believe to a degree, this is where some of us could fall in chapter 58. We are doing what we've been instructed to do. Um, you know, we, many of us be fasting, be praying, be reading our Bibles, be doing the showing up faithful to church, uh, occupying a position in the church, trying to be a blessing in so many various ways. But uh, there may be something there that uh, is still missing, though we're doing all of those things. And, and that is what happened in chapter number 58. Uh, and we all are susceptible uh, to have those kind of problems. We can go through the forms. My kids know um, at this point in their life, especially my older kids, um, they know how to behave in church to look right. They know how to conduct themselves properly uh, to other people, um, and so do your kids that have been raised for any length of time in church. Um, but there's more to the Christian religion, there's more to the Christian life um, than just a form of going through rituals and rites and reciting creeds. Uh, there's more to it. It's a reality of God in your heart, and so we don't want to ever stray too far away from that and get caught up with the forms and the outward working of things uh, and lose in the heart what is most important. Uh, and I think that may have been what happened here. They got selfish um, and they no longer, <clears throat> excuse me, they no longer were caring much for one another. 
Um, even their, their seeking of God was selfish. Their religious activity was selfish. They, they got more focused on themselves and uh, they were lost sight of uh, God's vision for what he wanted done. They were to be making proselytes. They were to giving, they were to reveal to the heathen, to the Gentile, who God was. Uh, they were to be a light in the world, just like the church is now. They were to be um, God's tool on earth uh, to reveal himself. Uh, even the Bible says, what advantages are being a Jew? Uh, much, mainly uh, the fact that unto them were committed the oracles of God. And uh, there's a whole lot of reasons. There's a whole lot of ways in which it was advantage to them uh, to be a Jew. And uh, God wanted to use them uh, to change the world, to be a light to the world, to reveal his truth uh, to the world, to funnel through them um, righteousness and justice and love and all those wonderful things about who God is. And they lost sight of that. Um, and they got to a place where um, they were so much better than everybody. They wouldn't walk through Gentile lands because the sand of those uh, cities, those heathen cities, they didn't want the sand from those cities uh, to get into their sandals. Uh, that's how holy they thought that they were and how much better they thought that they were. And Jesus would be seated with sinners and it boggled their mind at why he would fool with wanting to be around people uh, that were heathens. And what they didn't realize is most of them were heathens too, though they were born Jewish. And uh, they lost sight of that. And they got selfish. And so they let the world, so to speak, uh, fall down around them. Uh, everything, only thing that mattered was what was best for them. Uh, God let them go into captivity. And many of them, instead of trying to uh, win that city or win those people uh, in their hearts to God, uh, they would complain that God would kill them and rid them of their oppressors and that's what they're still crying today. They want God to come in. That's what they thought Jesus was going to do, that he was going to come and remove the Roman oppression, the Roman whip from them and establish their kingdom again. And um, <clears throat> they got selfish in their thinking. And I wonder oftentimes as a church, if we're not the same way, we want Jesus to come to get us out of this mess, so to speak. Uh, but God chose to put us in this mess. And what we rather need to have a better attitude about the thing. And we need to see, Lord, we want you to come. But, uh, and I've heard many say this, but uh, there's so many that need to hear the truth. There's so many that need to be saved. It's not that we don't want you to come, Lord. We hasten the day uh, and to see your face. But there's much work that needs to be done. There's so many souls that need to be reached um, with the gospel. And that would be a better attitude to have as opposed to, Lord, just come get us out of this mess. Well, uh, yes, I want to be out from under the mess uh, as well. Uh, but it, once me and you go, the Bible says that he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And uh, this world's never seen hell in reality like they're going to see uh, when the spirit of Christ and his bride is removed from this earth. Uh, and in that day... Uh, there will be uh, such literal hell upon, unleashed upon the earth that men's hearts will desire and seek death and it will flee from them. They'll want to die to get out of the hell that they're living, uh, but uh, God will not allow them to die. 
And uh, so anyhow, I just say that to say uh, God wants to use you. He wants to use your life uh, to be a blessing to other people. So we've got to get out from this idea that we want everything that's best for us um, and we lose sight of what may be best for someone else. And most people that God used in the Bible uh, and Jesus setting the example, we saw this in Peter, his life was such that he would, uh, at whatever cost to them, they wanted to do what uh, the will of God was. And the will of God was, is that this world hears the gospel truth because it is the power of God unto salvation. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so it's going to take from me and you, it may cost us dearly. Salvation is free, didn't cost you anything. Uh, but discipleship and living in the will of God is going to cost you, and it will cost you dearly. Uh, but I can assure you the payout, uh, the dividends in the end will be good. Now, uh, so I just want to say I believe that's where they are in a selfish way. I believe that's the day that we live in. I believe in that. Most people, um, you know, generally in days gone by, you had neighbor helping neighbor. People were pooling together their resources and helping one another uh, in any way they could. Um, people gave wholly of themselves and died early deaths to reach people with the gospel. And um, they just completely wore themselves out in giving themselves to people. And uh, that kind of servant spirit is what we need once again. You can't have a selfish servant. Um, he's not a servant at all if he is. Uh, and so we, are, we have to remember we're ministers um, and we are uh, priests of God. And if we're going to minister, it's going to cost us. We cannot live for ourselves. We have to be willing to lose out on what we may have here for what we're promised over there so that other people... Uh, can have what they need. Now, God wants to use you. Now, I just want to say that God wants to use you. It's not just the preacher that can accomplish something for God in our day. I know people that accomplished more for God uh, in their world. They accomplished more for God, not being a preacher. Uh, you think of the servants in churches that uh, uh, I can think of several. I won't call their names. Some of them are still alive. And I don't want to embarrass anybody, but um, they have given themselves in service to God's church and have done more from that position uh, than they probably would have if they were a preacher. So uh, you can do something. You can accomplish great things for God. Uh, you don't have to be a preacher or a pastor or a missionary or evangelist uh, in that sense of we know it uh, to accomplish things for God. You can do something for God uh, in the position that you're in. Now, we got down through here in verse number seven and six. God is instructing them. Uh, that it is not uh, just merely what they were doing, but it required more. You can't do those things and leave all these others undone. And uh, so we must remember that. We can't uh, just do one thing alone and leave the other things undone. And that's what's happening here in verse 6. Um, they didn't deal with the bands of wickedness. They did not deal with the heavy burdens. Uh, and they were keeping the oppressed uh, unfree. Uh, and they were not breaking every yoke. Um, they were not dealing their bread to the hungry. Uh, God always required such out of them, even to the stranger. Um, even when they uh, were loaning money to somebody, they were not allowed to tax it. If it was another Jew, a brother, 
to make usury of others. Um, they were to lend and, and to help their brother in need. They were to uh, feed the hungry traveler, give them a place to lay down at night and uh, clothe them if necessary. They were be, to be a benevolent people. Now again, uh, you can't have one without the other. You can't not seek God. You can't not delight in his ways. You can't not do those things and only do the physical things and accomplish anything for God. Just as much as you cannot focus only on the spiritual aspect of things only and seek God, delight in his ways, and then let people go poor and hungry and die around you uh, and be successful, so to speak, for God. It takes both. Both have to be done uh, in order to accomplish anything. So he, anyway, he tells in verse number seven, deal your bread to the hungry, uh, call the poor uh, that are cast out, uh, bring the poor uh, that are cast out to thy house. Um, and uh, that's what, boy, we really need to remember that. If we've got an abundance uh, to feed another group of people, we ought to feed those people that can't really afford to feed themselves. And wouldn't that be strange? Some of us couldn't even think of inviting people that were poor over to our house and feeding them. Uh, but that's what he instructed them to do, uh, to, to invite the poor that are cast out, those that nobody really wants anything to do with. Um, bring them out to your house and you feed them. Uh, that's what he's telling them here now. Uh, now, deal thy bread to the hungry uh, and that thou bring poor. I, I think about the missionary. Um, I, I can't uh, think right now of her name. But anyway, I think of that missionary lady who, um, during that great uh, famine and depression, uh, she, uh, I believe that's what eventually killed her, is because the food that was being sent to her, she wasn't eating. Uh, that if she was to eat, she wouldn't be able to feed the children that she was caring for. And uh, could have been Lottie Moon, or I, I can't remember uh, right now who it was. Uh, many of you probably know that story. Uh, but uh, so she decided not to eat herself so that she could feed uh, her ch the children that God had put under her care. And uh, it's going to take people like that in our day. We're going to have to be willing to lose and do without some things so that we can help others. That's what God's going on to tell them here is that I'm going to use your life. I want to use you. I want to make something of you. Uh, I want to use you in this day that you're in as well, God, God is saying. And uh, you take care of the business I've instructed you to do, and I'll take care of your business. And that is what he's going to go on to tell. Before I get ahead of myself, verse number eight, uh, he tells them, now, if you will do these things, if you will uh, free the, uh, the oppressed and the wicked uh, bands that have you bound now, if you'll cut loose of those things, and seeking self-pleasure and trying to please yourself and you'll get a heart uh, back again for other people. If you'll go to them, if you'll feed the hungry, if you'll uh, feed them spiritual food, give out the word of God, if you'll uh, uh, get a vision for people. I think about these uh, little folks in these other countries. Um, I'm thinking right now, Brother Kevin Knowles, one time we did a, um, a video conference with him and some of those uh, young colored ladies were there on that video and he was having them testify uh, how that uh, they had no hope and without God until Brother Knowles came with the gospel. And uh, 10, 15 years they've been now uh, living for Jesus and um, 
Oh, because I know God's prevenient grace. I understand God's power and sovereignty in that. But I do know it took a man to deny himself and pack up his family and move from the comforts of America into another country with a burden to see starving people not just die hungry physically, but not die hungry and thirsty for God. And they cannot find him because no one is preaching the truth. And so they got under a burden and took that burden and God used them uh, not only to bless in the physical manner and help meet physical needs uh, but they got born again uh, of the spirit and I think about those little folks that have nothing uh, not only are they without God, they're without much of anything in this world. Uh, they have li- very little to eat. They have very little uh, to do. Most of them live in uh, clay houses and uh, various things like that and have uh, very little money uh, and prosperity that me and you unfortunately enjoy in this day. Uh, and uh, so uh, they, but if you think about what a tragedy it would be, uh, not only to live in miserable conditions like that, but then to die without God uh, and to die lost and only to wake up in a place far worse that you would beg to go back to the poverty that you died from while you were on earth. Uh, what a shattering thought um, that uh, a person uh, could live a life like that and then end up dying lost without Jesus only to find themselves in eternity uh, screaming and, and wailing and gnashing their teeth um, in torments all the days of their life because they believe not the love of the truth, receive not the love of the truth. And so uh, it's going to take somebody to deny themselves and get under a burden again Uh, for lost souls. And yes, it takes me and you. It takes us to have a burden for them, not that we're able to go, but that we can give and we can enable these others to go, that they can reach these. We're going to have to see um, not an obligation in missions. We're going to have to get out from uh, somebody might find out my giving record uh, and give based on what we think others might interpret by that. And we're going to have to give with a real heart. Uh, We're going to have to get a real burden to want to see lives changed and souls reached for God. When we think of missions, we're not writing a check and hoping that uh, somehow God uh, will fill our bank account back up because we gave a little. Uh, I want to give a little because I wanted to enable somebody to stand as I'm able to do tonight uh, somewhere across this world that they've never heard about Jesus, that he might stand up in front of those people and not have to worry about his bills getting paid and his family getting food, that he could just stand with the liberty and preach the gospel and live of the gospel and be able to preach the truth of Jesus without those burdens on his heart and be able uh, to reach sinners. And so uh, we are highly blessed folks and we are, uh, some of us are missing out on a great blessing when it comes to missions. We're missing out on the uh, things that would be accounted to us at the judgment seat. We're missing out on blessings, not only in this life, but certainly so much more in the life to come. uh, That the money that God entrusted us with, we blew it on cars we never needed. I don't know who in the world making uh, forty or fifty thousand dollars a year needs a seventy thousand dollar vehicle. You know, I'm just trying to be honest. I know that's none of my business to some degree, uh, but I want to tell. 
tell you something. You need to invest in God's work. You need to put money into business that God has going. Uh, you could do without a few things. You could maybe buy a little less nicer vehicle. You could uh, go with a, uh, maybe eat out a little bit less in order to afford to give uh, to foreign missions, to support missions uh, and support your local church that uh, it can stay sustained and be able to continue to support uh, foreign missions. We need to get a burden again. Uh, and why would I do all of this, Brother Clint? I, why would I do that? Uh, because God loves souls and he doesn't want to see a single person die and go to hell, a hell that was never even made for them, was certainly never intended for them, uh, a hell that was uh, not, uh, should never be their home. Uh, I, I'm telling you, we need to get a burden again to get involved in God's work for the right motives, for the right reasons, uh, not so that we can report on a prayer letter how many people made some ridiculous decision and invited. Jesus into their heart, not so we can report back things like that, uh, just so that we can have a just a true burden to bring glory to God uh, by seeing those that are, would maybe never hear, that they might hear and it be mixed with faith and they might change, their lives may change, their communities may change by reaching one person in that community. And, and so we need to get a proper a burden again, a real vision, a real burden again uh, for foreign missions. I, I fear that it's come to the place that we we write a check to it and become so disconnected uh, from missions and evangelism in general uh, and, the, and the average church and the average Baptist church, uh, God has used the Southern Baptist church in days gone by and he's certainly using independent churches now to send more missionaries uh, across this um, ungodly world uh, to reach those that are in need of the gospel. Uh, but I fear that in most of our Baptist churches, it's become so disconnected uh, that we just do it because that's what other people do. We, we hear the preacher talk about missions and uh, we hear maybe somebody talk about how God did something special for them because they were faithful to give. And so um, th there's all kinds of reasons people want to be involved in missions. I want to tell you the reason we ought to because there are poor, there are hungry, they are naked, and there are certainly lost men and women all scattered around this planet of 7 billion people that need somebody to tell them about this man that would save anybody. This man that'll save you and change your life and give you peace and joy in the midst of your poverty, uh, that you can have peace abounding joy unspeakable uh, and be as poor uh, uh, as you could possibly be. And uh, uh, that's what they need. They need to hear of a God in heaven that loves them and is concerned about them enough uh, that he would send his only begotten son to die so that they might live. Uh, they need to hear the gospel. So I want to encourage you as we look, and not just at foreign missions, we need to look uh, also into our own communities. Uh, we need to look across the street. We need to look at our job, at who we sit across from uh, on your job and you come in contact with every day. That's a soul for whom Jesus died uh, and they need the gospel. And so he tells them that. He says, you're concerned about yourself. You're worried about your own self and you're fasting and you're doing all these things, uh, but you've hid yourself from your own flesh. Those also born of Adam, your own kindred human soul, you have hid yourself from them and you have the ability to make a difference in their life. 
you have the cure for the cancer that's killing them and you've decided to hide it and yourself from them. And that's not good. We don't need to hide ourselves from our own flesh. We've got the answer. Uh, you say, well, preach, I don't feel worthy because I've done things and said things. And then what you need to do is repent and get those things right and get back on fire for God again like you used to be. Quit wallowing in self-pity. Quit wallowing around wishing you were what you used to be and just repent. God said he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And if you'll go to God and repent, you can get joy back in your heart. You can get a burden again for lost souls. Just deal with whatever is dealing with you and get back to getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Get back on fire for God again. Quit going through the routine. Quit going through the ABCs. It stinks. It smells. It can be detected from a mile away. And God just wants a reality of the human heart that's just overflowing in abundance of the presence of God uh, to use that person in a, in a church service. We need somebody to come in our our churches are so full of God. They can't hardly contain, and it just spills out into the congregation. Uh, I'm talking about a reality, not a not a worked up deal, but a reality of people that have been alone with God during the week, and they show up on Sunday and they show up on Wednesday with the abundance of God in their heart that they want God like a vessel to turn them over and spill them out upon the people. That's what we need, and we're wasting too much time. I'm being involved in wickedness and sin and idolatry and our churches are drying up and dying spiritually because the average man and woman is spending their time not in the presence of a holy God, not their life being spent in service to their neighbor and their brother, but their time is being spent in self-indulgence and self-pity and it is time the Christian church, it's time God God's people wake up out of sleep. It is high time. We have long enough, 20 years somewhat, we've been on a downward spiral in our independent churches, and it is high time the people that remain today in our churches get back on fire, get back to the reality of the truth in their hearts again, and get on fire for God. Get back to the business God saved you and puts you into. You don't have business business out there on the internet. You don't have business out there in the lost world. You've got no business uh, congregating and drinking and carousing and cussing and going around with the lost of this world. God saved you and put you in the business of service to the church of the living God and you need to get back to God's business. Amen. Hallelujah. So then he said, if you'll do that, if you'll lose the self-pity and the self, and you'll get out of the self-pleasure, there's no other way to get there. Can I say this? Most of us see the deficiency in our ministries or in our churches or in our lives. And the only hope to get there, to that place that you want to be, the only hope that there is for us to get there is that we follow what the word of God says. And I believe what God's saying to us is, we're gonna have to get back to the place that we love other people more than our own self again. We're gonna have to be willing to burn our lives up in the service of God for people. 
we preach not ourselves. This is what the this is what Paul said. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And that is what we're going to have to get back to doing once again. We are servants of people for God's sake. And we're going to have to get back into the service of God by serving people. And stop isolating and withdrawing ourselves from our own flesh because they're too dirty. That's the attitude most of us have. Now, uh, did not Jesus leave us the example? I know someone would attack me for that. But Jesus never got involved in what they were doing by eating with them. He used that, utilized those times that he spent with sinners in dealing with their sin and dealing with the truth. I know one man right now told me that um, his brother preached to him for years, tried to reach him with the gospel, trying to get him saved and dealt with him for many years. And his approach, generally speaking, for the first half of, 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 his, of his life there, his approach was really kind of to belittle and to, I can't believe the way you've been raised. You ought to know better than what you're doing. You're so filthy. You're so vile. You're so low. How could you do that? And his, the first part of his ministry, he would, he would come in and never speak more than five words to his own brother. Never really spend any time with him at all. And, uh, and uh, the man telling me this said, it was when my brother, for some reason, something happened in his life and he would come in town and he would just spend time with just me. He wouldn't belittle me. He wouldn't attack me. He would just spend his time with me and he'd hug me and tell me he loved me. And uh, he said it was them that he began to win my heart. And I began to see, and he said it was something that just happened when I, when I was convinced that man loved me. When he would start to talk to me about Jesus, I'd listen like I never had before. Folks, that's what the world wants to see out of me and you. They want to know we love them, that we really care about them. Uh, these people uh, that we're trying to, to bring to the Lord and trying to get to come to church, we're not trying to make anything out of them. We just want what's best for their life because we love them and we want to see them saved and we'll do whatever it takes uh, to make sure that that happens because we love them and uh, not so that we can pat ourselves on the back and uh, tell people what a great job we did and went in that person to the Lord and all of that. Uh, um, God keeps all those records and every time a man pats himself on the back for him, I believe God strikes it from their record. That's my opinion. They've got all the praise they're going to get of what they get down here. Uh, but God's not unrighteous, forgets your work and labor of love. He's keeping a record of it. You don't have to tell everybody. I get so tired of seeing these preachers. Some of them, they'll, they'll go out street preachers and witnessing on the streets and things and video themselves doing it. And they'll video themselves. Uh, I just wanted to thank the Lord for so-and-so that got saved. And most of the time, what it is, is just a pat on the back so they can show everybody how good they've been doing. Why don't you just do that in secret? Why do you need the appraise? Why do you have to tell everybody else uh, what you did? Just do it for the Lord. Do it because you love people, not because you're trying to make a name for yourself. Uh, that that didn't cost any extra. Now, we got to move quickly. Uh, so then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Look at what he said. You take care of those things. You, you, you open your, you draw your soul out uh, to your fellow man 
and you begin to uh, come out of your shell and quit worrying about yourself all the time and you get back to doing what I want you to do and feed the hungry, clothe the poor and give the gospel and do all those things I've wanted you to do and uh, you start doing that and here's what I'm going to do for you. Uh, all those things you were seeking me and, and, and delighting to know about in verse number one, I'm going to open myself up to you. Not God's light's going to break forth. That's not what he says here. He says, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. There's nothing more beautiful in my eyes uh, than the sunrise, a beautiful sunrise morning. And when that light peaks up over the mountains and over the hills and you begin to see the colors of the sun uh, begin to rise and that it's a beautiful thing. You know what God's saying here and speaking about your glory? He's saying, I will make you something beautiful. Your life will be something beautiful. Your light will shine forth as the morning. You want to be used of God? You want, to, uh, you want God to use your life? and you want to be something, you don't want to die in obscurity uh, having done nothing for God, uh, then get to doing what this Bible says to do. And God said, your light shall shine forth as the morning. I'm going to make you a blessing. You're going to be like what it does to your soul. Many of you, I've heard you say it. It just does something to your soul to wake up early in the morning and to watch the sun rise and to hear the, hear the birds begin to come alive and just the beauty of that sunrise and how it blesses your soul. That's what God said he's going to make out of you. Your life will be like a light that will shine forth as the morning. It'll be a blessing to the soul of other people. God will make you a blessing. He will use you if you're willing to humble yourself, deny yourself, and live in service of God to others. Uh, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, that we, I believe that's talking about physical health, in my opinion, here. Uh, uh, but just our spiritual health, if you want to make it spiritual. Uh, we seem spiritually sick to the world. Uh, we seem spiritually sick. It can be seen. Even lost people can detect a, a spiritual sickness that people have. And uh, I feel like when we get uh, selfish and concerned with self, we begin to come across as sick and the same symptoms that come across with fevers and things. A spiritually sick person that becomes selfish uh, uh, manifests certain symptoms in his idleness and his hatefulness. And all various things will come out of him. But what God's saying here, if you will get back to doing what I want you to do and what obedience is better than sacrifice. And so uh, sitting on sackcloth and dumping ashes and feeling sorry for yourself and, and all of those things are a great sacrifice. But I want you to be obedient. What I want you to do is get back to being concerned with everybody else uh, and I'll take care of you. He said, cast all your cares on him. He didn't say worry. He said fret for nothing. And all we do is spend our time worrying about ourselves. And God said, that's the one thing I don't want you to do. I do want you to worry about others. I do want you to take care to feed them, to clothe them. But take no thought for what you shall eat or what you shall wear. Is that not what Jesus said? Don't care. Don't think for a minute about the vital needs that you have. I'll take care of your needs if you'll take care of theirs. If you will take care of other people, I'll meet your needs. 
I'll overflow your cup. I will give you manna from heaven. I will break forth the rocks for you to drink out of if that's what it takes. You will never go without if you will live in service for other people. You take care of their needs and I'll take care of yours. That's God's economy. That's God's way of doing business. You take care of the lost and the dying and the sick and the poor and the hungry and God will feed you. You don't have to worry about it, my friend. Uh, You can go without in service to others and God will fill your belly. I don't know how he'll do it, but he will do it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God will meet the needs of his people. Uh, So hallelujah. So your light's going to break forth as the morning. Your health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Wow. You know what God said? If you'll get concerned with others again, if you'll get back to helping people and being a blessing to other people, God said, I'll give you every, I will give you the best I have to give you. That's, a, that's an amazing statement to me. All God asked for them to do was to loose the bands, get back to doing what he's already told them to do. I want you to stop being so selfish and start using your life, letting me use your life to be a blessing to other people. And if you'll do that, I'm going to tell you what your reward's going to be. Is that not what he just said? What, and what is the reward that he promised them? A mansion in heaven? I, I like that song in theory. I don't know how true it is. I know there's many mansions over there. I don't see where we're promised a mansion, but I, I mean, that's fine. I'll sing it with you. I hope, I'll be happy if I get a cardboard box out on, on Pomper Street. I'll be thrilled with that. I don't know we're promised a mansion. I, I don't know that. I don't know that we need a house over there. I know there's many mansions. He's going to prepare a place for us. Then my father's house are many mansions. And I go to prepare a place for you. I, I don't know what all that that means. Uh, I, I, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, <laughs> whatever that it is, uh, I, I want to tell you the reward that I want. And I know many of you feel this same way. The reward that I want that will satisfy me is not a mansion. Uh, it's not a full bank account. It's just a person of God. It's the presence of God. It's just him and Himself. My One of my favorite uh, verses in all the Bible, I quote it uh, to my favorite verses. I quote them all the time, but it seems like I come across it so much. But he said unto Abram, fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Um, not houses and lands and all these various things. Me, my glory, who I am, all that I am is going to be your reward. Can you fathom that, my Christian friend? Uh, if you think and know all that God is uh, in truth, God is love, God is the power of God that's able to speak creation out of nothing. Uh, all that God is, he said, I am going to reward you with myself. 
And that is, a, that is just amazing to me uh, that if we'll, if we'll get, we need missionaries in our day. I, I'm astounded at the few uh, that are being called. I see some that mommy sent, uh, but I, I am, I am, I am appalled at the so few that are responding to a real call of God. I believe a man that's called, he's got a call of God on his life. And he's sent by God's church. But he's called of God to a position to uh, go to the mission field or to go uh, somewhere and preach. To call uh, to pastor churches and to preach the gospel. I believe in the call of God. And there's very few. I believe God's calling. I believe there's few responding. I believe they'd rather have the pleasures of this life for a season than to live the life uh, that's promised to them as preaching the gospel. And I believe that's sad that they throw away such eternal bliss and blessings uh, for some temporal uh, uh, things that will never satisfy them anyway. But we need missionaries to go to the field. We need more uh, than checks to be written. And I'm for writing checks, please. Uh, but we need people that will get under a burden. Uh, who, 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 who in our churches is willing uh, to take of themselves the time necessary uh, to go pick up some children around the community and bring them into the church house? Uh, I'm for a bus ministry, but I'm not for one without somebody having a burden to do it. Uh, I don't need a warm body that they can drive with a driver license. I want somebody that's got a burden to see the thing through and to be faithful to it and has got a burden for it that'll pray for it that'll come to me and say, Brother Clem, I've got a burden for these souls I lay awake at night uh, thinking of these poor children that have been molested and that have been mistreated and don't get to eat because their parents are using their money for dope and uh, I've got a burden to see them hear the gospel and to see their life change. We need somebody that's got a burden for all souls again. We need more than a checkbook. We need a burden. Uh, but anyway, I got to move on. I'm enjoying preaching. But uh, verse number nine, the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking vanity. Boy, what another charge he lays at the feet of these people. You know, they're the kind of people that are just pointing their finger at everybody. Nothing irritates me more than seeing somebody do that. They just arrogantly just... That's... That's the kind of people he's got going here. It's everybody else's problem. That's a selfish man. That's a selfish person that starts pointing fingers. You say, how so? Just chew on that a while and you'll see. That's about the most selfish individual other than a person that would commit suicide or a drug addict. They're selfish people. They start looking at everybody else and blaming everybody else for everything. Well, it may not be that person. Uh, it may be you, sir, that's pointing the finger. You may be the problem. But you're busy pointing the fingers at everybody else. You're not even humble enough to examine yourself. And he said, put all that away. Quit blaming, blaming everybody. And point it, look, at the end of the day, does it really matter? You're all guilty of doing very little to serve other people. And so does it really matter that we're going to point the blame and find out who's the one that's really caused the problem? We're all guilty. We all live in self-indulgence more than we should. Self-satisfaction and self-pleasure are killing all of us. We all spend too much time in vanity. 
He said, talks about speaking vanity. We're full of vanity in our day. Whether we're speaking it or whether we're watching it, we're filling our time. We need to be redeeming the time and we're blowing it with vanity. Things we'll never remember, things we'll never need, things will never profit us at all. It's vanity, it's vain, it's a waste of time. Uh, he said, quit speaking, quit talking about things that are never going to matter. Quit, quit being involved in blame, the blame game and pointing fingers and being involved in speaking vanity. Put all that away and get back to humbling yourselves and serving the people around you. And just let those fight it out about who's right. I, somebody else can be right. Somebody else can be the toughest and the meanest and the one that's always right. Somebody else can take that position. Oh, God, just use my life. If nobody ever finds out about it, just use me to help people. Boy, I'd hate to die with my life being the sum total of the choices that I've made. Be to just... Uh, you know, he, uh, he was funny or he was, uh, uh, you know, he could, uh, he was a hard worker or something. I mean, that's great, but man, I, I tell you, I, I want to die in service to people for the glory of God. I, I want to make a, I know you do. If you're really saved, I know it's in your heart and we just need to get back to doing it. There's going to be no magical spell or no magical formula. God just says, you take care of this. You start doing that and I will reward you with myself. You'll call and I'll answer. Here I am. Sounds like he's been hiding himself. Sounds like they're continually seeking him every day because they cannot find him. Because he's hiding himself. The Old Testament talks about it one time. There's God has caused a cloud to come uh, between them and God. They, God's not listening to them because they're disobedient, because they're selfish. They're not, they're, they're, even their, their approach to God is, is for selfish motives. The Bible says we ask and we ask amiss that we might consume it upon our own lusts. We even pray selfish. God said, I've stopped listening to that. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. And so you get back to doing this. And then when you call, you'll have no problem finding out where I am. I'll stand up and say, here I am. What a blessing. Hallelujah. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking of vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, we got we to quit. I didn't get to the verse I wanted to get to, and I talked about this morning. But it's, 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 it's like the word picture here is just like you would draw water up out of the well. Uh, I believe it was Ruth. Was it not that was drinking uh, water from the well that she didn't draw from? The young men, Boaz had instructed to draw water for her. And, uh, but anyway, I just got to thinking about, that doesn't mean anything, but I just got to thinking about what a beautiful thing that is. But uh, many of us are drinking steel from waters that we didn't draw out. Uh, Brother Jones and Brother Bearden and these brothers, Dr. Seitler and Percy Ray and these men, uh, we're drinking of the leftover water that they drew out. And it's uh, time, I heard one man preach, it's time to dig some wells. Well, it may be just some time that we draw water out from the wells that are already there. Uh, we can start drawing the water out before we jump into trying to dig a well. But anyhow, it's the same, it's kind of the word picture there. God wants you to be like a vessel, that vessel that's lowered down 
into that well, into the darkness, into the depths, to draw out water that it might be a blessing and meet the needs of other people. That's what God wants for your life. Life's not about getting all that you can get. Life's about God using you as a vessel that he could draw up out of the depths. You may have to be crushed and God may have to crush you under some heavy burdens and loads to get all of you out of you. But he wants to drive you down into the depths of that well only to fill you full and to bring your life up out of that full of living water that you might be a blessing to, for others that when they drink, they're satisfied. Uh, and that's the word picture here, that God wants us to draw our own soul out as though as that uh, cistern is lowered or that bucket is lowered into that well to draw out water. God wants us to draw out our soul and expose it to, the, to, uh, to those that are in desperate need uh, for them to drink of, for them to use, for them to get a blessing of. That bucket gets nothing out of the interaction. You understand that? Uh, that soul, I may get nothing out of it. It's going to do nothing but empty me of water. I'm going to have to be dipped down once again into the depths to get my bucket full again. I, God's going to have to maybe drive me back down into the darkness, into the depths to fill uh, my life full again uh, and fill me full once again uh, to use me again. That bucket because it doesn't gain anything from the interaction of those around it. They get to drink and they're satisfied of their thirst, but it gets nothing out of it. Uh, but God said, if you will just draw your soul out and let others uh, use your life, you burn your life up and the sacrifice and service of others uh, and their faith, uh, then I will be your reward. You will get something out of it. It may not be in this life, but it will certainly be in the life to come. And so that's what he instructs them uh, to do, to draw out their soul. And you say, well, preacher, I'm backwards. I have my person. You can't hide behind personality and be disobedient to the Bible. I understand your personality may not be as forthcoming as others. You may be backward and all those things, but that doesn't get to excuse you from preaching and teaching those of the gospel. It doesn't get to excuse you of being used to be a blessing to other people. Nobody gets to hide behind personality to get to disobey God. God knew how you were raised. He, knew, he knows your personality. And he said across the board for all of us, expects all of us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Regardless of time and ages and uh, uh, personalities and people, uh, all of us are expected to do and serve other people. We're all expected to do that. And so in your own capacity, in your own way, you've got to obey the same thing that I have to obey. Uh, all personalities have to uh, have to obey them. Uh, but anyhow, uh, so, and he shall say, here I am, and putting away the vanity, draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. I studied that afflicted soul a little bit and I'm already done. But uh, I studied some of that afflicted soul. That's really talking about the depressed. A word we don't like to use often, but... That afflicted soul is talking about. Draw out your soul. See, there's a twofold thing here. There is 
There is some things talking about literally feeding the hungry that I believe, putting clothes on the poor and the naked. I believe that. That's talking about the physical. Whoso haveth this world's goods and seeth his brother have need, shut up his compassion, uh, how the love of God dwell in him. Even Jesus uh, performed miracles to feed people that were hungry. And so uh, there is the physical aspect of that. But then we see that it's not merely a physical matter. It's not a matter of having enough money to do it. It's not a matter of having a plan in place. It's not a matter of all that. It's a matter of the soul. So he deals with the spiritual side. Draw out your soul. It's not just enough to stop at the physical. And so meet the need of the afflicted soul. That person that's depressed in the church, the last thing they need is for somebody to bash them for being weak. Well, if they just believe the Bible, I bet they've not been written. That's the last thing they need. I don't know what's to blame in their life. That's none of my business. But what is my business is I do all I can as a brother in Christ to try to help the afflicted soul. I want to bring some joy. I want to do all I can. If I have to get down on my hands and knees so that they can step up on my back to get up out of the hole, then that's what I need to do. Spiritually speaking, right? Whatever it takes to help my brother get or my sister get up out of that depressive hole, that's what I should be willing to do and look for ways in which to do so. And so draw out your soul um, to the hungry. Uh, If thou draw out thy soul uh, to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul. So either way, you're dealing with hungry or you're dealing with a spiritual need that needs met. Uh, for you and me, it's a matter of the soul. If we, if we don't meet it, it's a spiritual problem. Uh, but if, how dwelleth the love of God in you, right? Uh, and then also in the afflicted soul. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness shall be as the noonday. Boy, when it would be dark for you and Times We're just getting into the good stuff. Maybe we'll just come back Wednesday. I'm not in no hurry. We can come back here Wednesday if God lets us live that long. No reason in preaching all this here tonight. Um, It's like the one preacher that uh, was preaching and the man uh, walked out and this woman met him in the vestibule. and She said, uh, is he not done yet? And the man said, oh, he's done. He just hadn't quit yet. So I certainly don't want to be done and not quitting. But uh, this is just stirring my heart. And so, but um, we'll finish, let's finish these verses Wednesday night. Then we can come back Sunday and do Peter, uh, get back on first Peter. Uh, but it's talking about, so start in verse number 10, read through the rest of the chapter and we'll come back and deal with this Wednesday night, Lord willing. But draw out your soul this week to the hungry, satisfy the afflicted soul. And God said, your light shall rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as the noonday. You know what that says to me? At what time that I would be in darkness, what God said he would do for me, um, times it generally would push me down into depression that I would be in a dark time. God said, that time won't be like that for you. It'll be as the noonday. Now that, I may be misinterpreting that, but, but that's the way that verse hits me. I, I feel like what God's saying, your darkness shall be as the noonday. If you've got some other ideas about that, you call me and let's talk about it. But I really feel that way. I feel like at the time, I mean, most of us have it. You know what triggers you or what sets you off or when you might have a dark time or a dark day, especially if you're prone to depression and things like that. 
Uh, you, you know some of those things. And what God is promising me and you here, and I believe this with all of my heart, if we'll obey the Bible, if we'll do what he said and we'll take care of other people, he'll take care of our dark times will be as the noonday. Now, we'll have nothing to complain about then if our dark times are as bright as the noonday. And so, man, what a good God we serve. What a, what a tremendous God we serve. God will help you. Don't quit. Stay in the fight. Keep on going for the Lord. And let's draw our soul out. Let's get out from our little holes and let's get back to being a light to this lost world. This world needs us. Harriman needs us. Our community needs us. Your job needs you to be a light. And the only hope they may have to hear the gospel. So get a fresh burden back. Get on fire for the Lord. Get on your knees. Get in the word of God. And let's go on and battle for the Lord. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the truth tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the help you are and shall beat our soul. Help us to be obedient, not be forgetful hearers of the word, but help us to obey what we've heard preached tonight. From the pulpit to the pews, help us, Lord, to be obedient to the word of God. We love you. In Jesus' name, we ask you to help us, Lord, to please be a light and be an example and to be a witness, uh, Lord, of our resurrected Savior to a lost world. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching tonight. We'll be online Wednesday. And then back in the church house Sunday moving forward. We love you. God bless you.